made that lone blockbuster video hang on in Oregon long after we'd started streaming. Or convinced Kodak that film was still the future while the rest of us switched to digital. And borders to keep putting countless books on shelves while we'd happily moved online. Today we're looking at what can turn these once prestigious Fortune 500 companies and your humble organization into zombies of the business landscape. Hi Heidi. Hi Brent. Hi. Hi. How, are How are you today, Andy? Good. Welcome to episode uh, 12. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about zombies. Yes, not the zombie apocalypse, but rather zombies. We're being optimistic today, albeit accurate. A trend in television and movies that doesn't seem to ever go away. When we're talking about zombie organizations, what are we talking about? I find it rather fascinating when you see these organizations and you ask yourself, good grief, what is their client base? Because if the core of what an organization is, is that it's relevant to their clients, and you look at someone like Victoria's Secret that's still selling push-up bras for young people and young people don't wear push-up bras, how is that relevant and how on earth are they still in business? Well, I'd like to say I've done a deep analysis of push-up bras in um, Victoria's Secrets. Um, I haven't. Um, these companies that hang on, what, what's... What are they hanging on for? I mean, have they done just a really, really good job of identifying an audience, no matter how small, how niche that audience is? We have to look at how are these business funded and who is investing in them and how are they still have money to function as an organization. A great example from years ago in the U.S. was Kmart and Sears, where at one point Kmart was fading away and Sears said, oh, let's buy that brand, when in fact Sears was having the same problems of fading away and becoming irrelevant. So you had two losing brands merged together to try to survive. And uh, what I find kind of fascinating about this is these businesses have created a funding basis, a funding case for existing, but they haven't turned around and looked at the back end of the equation. How has the market changed? How have my clients changed? And am I still relevant to my clients? Because the answer in most of these cases is not so much. So it's interesting because you have the financing, but you don't have the brand relevance or the brand identity that's connecting with consumers. You would think at some point investors would say, I'm just not giving you any more money. You're JCPenney's. You have very few repeat clients. You hardly have any sales of any significant level. And you're dying in place. Why should I keep feeding you money? Yet right. there is still money going into the system. They're at a, a quarterly loss repeatedly. Now, I understand you can monitor a quarterly loss for a period of time. And any good investment banker will tell you, you've got to have loss to balance your gain. But at some point, you really just have to throw in the towel and give it up. But organizations don't like to do that. I'm guessing Orgology's 
advice, you know, go back to the zombie analogy, is you're trying to stop these companies getting bit in the first place. Mm. Um, you don't want them to become zombie organizations. But are you saying at some point there is no choice? Because I know there are companies out there that buy failing companies up and turn them around. Yeah. Is that a business proposition? Or are you trying to say, let's fix you and get you back up on your feet? There are multiple interesting things to tick a lot of that question. One of them is, we always look at organizations with the question that we challenge our clients with, are you relevant? Which is a really emotional way of asking, how are you delivering for your clients and what are you delivering to them? Certain organizations like, say, Target, if you look at how Target has innovated over the last 50 years, they are constantly true to their core brand while continually finding new ways to connect with relevance. So I don't think it's a given that any organization is going to collapse, but it's a question of you can't crash diet to lose 50 pounds. That's not going right. to work. If you've ignored your question of relevance and your consumer base for 20 years, and then you turn around and you're surprised, oops. Yeah, but I'm, you can also look at the heritage brands that have held on for hundreds of years. They've had their ups and downs, and I'm sure many zombie organizations are looking at those and going, our time will come, we will be back. Oh, one of the interesting, when you mentioned brands and brands returning, one of the more interesting ones has been Shinola up in Detroit. Are you familiar with them? No, I'm not. No. What, what do they do? Or did they do? Uh, they used to produce, if I'm not mistaken, shoe polish. Yep. And the brand went defunct in the 1950s, I think. Yeah. It was bought up in the 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. And it has become a niche brand out of Detroit, whose identity okay. is renewal and recycling, sort of. They make everything Ooh. from watches to bicycles to bags, don't they? Yeah, and furniture now. So Fantastic. They're, they're, they're a unique organization that has taken a name, which many people know from different phrases. There's a classic Americanism that you may not have caught. Know the difference between and Shinola. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blank on your own. Yeah. But it, it's interesting because what they did is they saw that there was an empty spot in the market. There were very few American made watches that were of any quality. Yes, you had the Timex, but the actual good quality watches were nowhere to be found that were made in America. So they took that made in America model and said, Let's take this and move it forward. So they've created their own relevance through innovation. And that's the other side of relevance is innovation. If you can stay innovative, you can stay relevant. Once you stop innovating, and I think we've all seen iPhone 7 to whatever number they're on, 14, 15, 27, they are all basically the same cell phone with little yeah. minor adjustments. Innovation has left the Apple cell phone corner where they're just repeating the same same thing, trying to get you to buy a new one because it has a new camera or a new exactly. whatever. Yeah. So Apple was extremely innovative at one point. 
And I think what that company that you mentioned, whose name I didn't quite catch, what's the name? Shadoa. Shinola. Shinola. Also, cultural aspects caught up to help them. You know, the idea of renewable recycling, that became very in vogue. Mm-hmm. So that certainly yes. helped your business. But to go back to the company that we mentioned, that classic case of the opening with Blockbuster. I mean, it was obvious from the get-go, right back in the early days of Netflix, what they were about. They were called Netflix. They weren't called Postflix. They weren't called Mailflix. They were, of course, using the mail. But at some stage, net internet i mean the clue was there wasn't it Mm. from the beginning that was their goal technology had not caught up with it yet but yeah they were futuring i don't know what went on at blockbusters but clearly something within that structure failed to recognize or respond to that um is that the sort of company that you you find yourself dealing with well you hope that they don't end up in that position because when right. you're that far gone, that's the, I need to lose 100 pounds by next Tuesday. How do I do that? Right. That right. level not gonna happen. of, it's not happening. But where I would draw a line from Shinola to Blockbuster is the idea that sometimes a quirky brand identity, if it hangs around long enough, eventually comes back as cachet and funky and that blockbuster up in oregon it's an airbnb the shoe (laughs) polish is now a hipster watch and bicycle out of detroit fantastic yeah you're never going to manage the pivot that fast but there is value in that brand i think we we will do a podcast because many people don't know the actual baseline story of Blockbuster and Netflix and what happened between yeah, those yeah. two. Yeah, I'd like to know we'll more. fascinating. That. But if yeah. we were to wrap this episode, I'd say probably the core message is if you're trying to lose 100 pounds by next Tuesday, it's probably not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heidi and Brent, I totally agree. And I'd like to say I'm not old. I, I'm not outdated. I'm classic. And you remain relevant. (laughs) You're You're not a used car. You're an experienced vehicle. There There you go. go. (laughs) Thank you so much. And uh, what do we get to look forward to next time? Next time, we're going to look at diversity and inclusion and getting it right rather than just getting some lipstick on it. I'm thinking there's a pig reference there with lipstick, isn't there a saying? Could very well be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you both very, very much, and thank you, everyone, for listening. All right, we'll see you soon. See you next time.